everybody. Hi there, welcome back. I'm Emily. I'm Larry. And this is Planet in God. And we are currently going through a reading challenge before Christmas. So if you've been keeping up with us, it is December 15th. You are, you are supposed to have read John 15. And today we're going to give you our thoughts about it. Um, if you're catching in the middle, that's fine. Go read John 15 and then come back. Um, otherwise, you can hop onto the playlist and uh, catch up from the beginning of the gospel. This is also the last day that will be on the chapter and the date. That it is. Next week we start um, chapter 16 on Monday the 18th. Yes. So that's how it goes. We lose the fun week. We do lose the fun week. Any pre-thoughts on chapter 15? I have a, just a minor, small one, small pre-thought. Just the fact that 15, if you, if you watched yesterday's, you should know <laughs> that 15 carries the conversation from 14. So this isn't a new day. It isn't a new conversation. It's a new location uh, because at the end of verse 14, verse 14, or chapter 14, Verse 31c, Jesus says, get up, let us go from here. So in chapter 14, Jesus was in the upper room where they had the... Passover. Passover. Well, the Passover feast. Right. And then they do the foot washing thing, and then they Jesus has a little discourse, and then he says, okay, now let's get up and go. And they are traveling now from that upper room to... Gethsemane. Gethsemane. Exactly. And so that's where... The conversation today and Monday occurs, is on that pathway to Gethsemane. Yeah, my pre-thought was just that the chapter was smaller than some of the others. <laughs> <laughs> it was a smaller chapter, but yeah. um, it was intentional that way, I guess. All right, so let's dive in. Groovy. So Jesus is talking and he opens up with that uh, his another I am statement. Yep. I am the true vine. Yep. So what I thought was really cool about this was that they each have, they each are something and each has its own purpose, right? So Jesus being the vine and God the Father being the vine dresser and we are the branches. Yeah. And we all serve a different purpose which I think is really fascinating. Yes, and, and the overarching theme is abiding, right? That is the admonition that Jesus is really stressing with the disciples is that they are to abide in him. He will abide in them. And that's, that's the role. And it further shows the intimacy of Jesus and what he really wants with us. Right. You know, he isn't a distant God. Oh, hello. No, he's not. This really just goes to show a beautiful picture of the new relationship that we have in Jesus Christ. It is one of abiding, one of being with, right? First, we are called to come to the Messiah in faith, right? That happens at the moment of salvation. We come to him because he is the source of truth and the source of the forgiveness of our sins. And after we come, we're called to abide. Right? That is to stand fast, to stay, to tarry, to reside with him, and he resides with us. 
It is the idea that if we were to ever leave Jesus Christ, it would be the biggest failure of our lives. Also to bear fruit. Right. As we abide, we bear fruit. Yeah. And that is the result of our salvation. says uh, you are already clean. So I thought that was a important thing to recognize because you go back to chapter 13 verse 11 or 10 and 11 when they're washing the disciples feet and he yep. talks about how they're clean and there's one not clean there. Obviously he's talking about spiritually clean. Right. And he's saying that you are already clean now to the 11 that are left because Judas is gone. Yeah. I just think it's a really cool thing to see, right? We're seeing some things from previous chapters yes. in this chapter because that's not the only thing we see that kind of he right. repeats. You know, he's reminding the disciples or the apostles that <clears throat> You know, of the importance of certain things. Well, yeah, he's he's encouraging them throughout this whole thing because they're about to go through the biggest trial of their lives. Yeah. Right? Jesus, the guy that they know is the Messiah, is about to be picked up, beaten badly, and crucified on the cross. He's going to be buried and in the tomb for three days. And they are going to have to deal with that for three days. It's going to feel like they a defeat to them. Yeah. So Jesus is doing everything he can to encourage them and build their faith because they're going to, right? Jesus is going to go through it physically. They're going to go through it spiritually and emotionally. They're mm -hmm. going to be reeling. So throughout this entire chapter, and even looking back at the last chapter, Jesus has said a number of times that we are to abide in and to love Christ, to love him. And... He also mentions that the way that we do this is to obey his commands. And we see in chapter 15 that he actually pulls out and tells us what his command is. Right? We are to abide in the Father, in the Son, have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And then he also says this. I want to read verses 9 through 12. Jesus says, Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you obey my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My commandment is this, to love one another just as I have loved you. That is the commandment that we are to obey. And in obeying that commandment, we show that we love Father and the Son. We are to love one another as believers in Jesus Christ. And then in verse 13, Jesus gives a second example of what that looks like. He already gave an example of that in chapter 14 with the foot washing, right? If you're to love one another, you're to show that love in such a way that you would take on the lowliest of position for your brother in Christ, right? That's what Jesus did as an example in showing love towards us. He's saying replicate that. But in verse three, 13, he says this, No greater love has this than one lays down his life for his friends. So not only are we to 
take on the role of the servant for our friends, for our believe, for other believers, we're to go so far as to be willing to lay down our life for each other. Yeah, and I think he's pointing towards his death in that yes. also. He's, he is pointing towards his death. He's, he's, I'm going to show you the greatest love right. act that, that could ever happen. But he's telling them in advance so that they're aware of this. And then in verses 14 and 15, we start to see this transition taking place with the apostles. They are going from servant to trusted friend. Meaning that up until now, a lot of things have been hidden from them. Right? We've seen that a couple of times, that something would happen... And John would comment that the, the disciples did not understand because they're servants at this point. They're servants of the Messiah. And as servants, they are to have a simple mindset and just be obedient, to learn and observe. Now, after the death of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit will come and teach them and remind them of everything that they saw. And in doing so, they will gain understanding as friends. Everything will be revealed to them. You reveal everything to a friend, right? I tell you everything. You're my friend. But a servant, I wouldn't tell everything to. I would just say, hey, servant, go to do the dishes. I'm not telling you why you need to do the dishes. But just go do that. Whereas you, I would say, hey, Emily, I need the dishes done because we're having people over tomorrow. Right? Gave her more details. Because she's my friend. Very funny. <laughs> but... This is for them, for the apostles, just to know why everything happened and to know that Jesus Christ did come and fulfill over 333 prophecies, which is amazing. And then to wrap up this beginning section of chapter 15, verse 17 says this, This I command you to love one another. This command comes at the beginning of the next set of instructions that Jesus gives the disciples before he teaches them about what the world is going to do to them. He tells them to love one another, to stick together like glue, to be united against the foe because these men um, will be the ones that take Jesus's message and disperse it to the world. Yeah, I I noticed that they are going to be leaders, right? Yeah. He's preparing them to be leaders, you know, to, you know, the people in their area. Right. So, right now they're following Jesus, and that is what they're going to be doing, obviously, throughout. But even in the following, you lead. Right. It's a good example for us, too, because we follow Christ, but we are to be leaders, uh, for him. And then we move on to verse 18 through 25. 27. Oh, you're going to wrap it up that way. I would, yes. Okay. But that's okay. Again, seeing Jesus preparing the disciples, more, more preparation. Yep. And in this preparation, Jesus gives us four reasons why the world will hate the apostles. And in turn, these can be applied to us today. We can still see today that these are the reasons why the world hates Christians mm -hmm. um, and whole. So these are still, they, they were for the apostles, but they're applicable to us today. We can see, for one, that they would no longer be a part of the world system. 
believers are not a part of the world system, right? The apostles weren't a part of the world system. Today, we're not a part of the world system. And the world hates us for that because we live differently. We live with a different worldview than the world does. It's a worldview that is centered on biblical principles and the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, for two, a believer no longer thinks as the world thinks. In the world, being a sinner is celebrated. I mean, we have an, an entire month dedicated to celebrating sin, and it is just horrible, the, the things that happen in that month in the name of sin. Uh, however, we believe that that is not okay. It's not okay to live like that. In the world, one can only be accepted if they live out and celebrate sins. I mean, that's plain everywhere. Our goals are not their goals. Our view is not their view. And for this reason, the world rejects Christians and Christianity. Yeah, what it really boils down to is the moral compass is not biblical. No, it's not. Um, as the third reason that we see here, as Christians, we believe we will be hated because it's easier to vent the world's anger on us than it is to do it on Jesus, right? Uh, Jesus leaves this earth. He dies, is resurrected, and then ascends up into heaven. And therefore, the believers that are left, first the apostles and then everyone to, up till today, are essentially proxies for the hatred that the world has for Jesus, right? Their sin and the conviction of their sin by the Holy Spirit leads them to do one of two things, either repent or to re reject and react angrily. And then the fourth reason, uh, the world does not know the Father and therefore does not recognize the Son. And if the world doesn't know or recognize the Father and the Son, they will not recognize the believers of them. Well, not they wouldn't know the believers, but also verse 22 says, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. And so they don't even understand that they're sinful. But because Jesus came, there is that. So, you know, right. their eyes can be open to that. Exactly. Paul, Paul really pulls that out in, uh, in his writings. He really teases that out a lot, that the law is what helps us to know that we are sinners, and then Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the law, so we can see that it is only through him that we have forgiveness of the sins. And it's the Holy Spirit, he even says that when the Helper comes, he will convict the world of sin. And again, when you're convicted of sin, you've got one of two options, repent or reject. Yeah, and we can see, um, I mean, not that the Holy Spirit was there at this time, but the Pharisees... Rejected. Totally rejected. Yeah. And they knew, based on what the scripture said, that Jesus was the Messiah. They just chose not to believe that. Yep. It's a blatant choosing. It is. And then verse 25, we see that more prophecy is fulfilled. Specifically, I pulled out uh, Psalm 109.3 and Psalm 69.4 that goes along with that because it said, they hated me without a cause. Another good one, to if you're if you're up into cross-referencing, is Psalm thirty-five, nineteen, which also says similar. And then we get into twenty-six and twenty-seven, which again, uh, Jesus is saying that the Helper is going to come, which is the Holy Spirit. Yep. I actually want to read these verses. It says twenty-six, when the Advocate comes, 
whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father. He will testify about me, and you also will testify because you have been with me from the beginning. So we have the Holy Spirit that's coming. The Holy Spirit will testify about the Son, Jesus Christ. Again, he's giving that reminder that the Holy Spirit will uh, remind the apostles of everything that happened because they will be eyewitnesses to the uttermost parts of the world. And then believers, us today, we act accordingly. We act in that. We operate by sharing their testimony in this world. Yeah, I noted that too. Um, the Lord gave us the Spirit to work with us so that we can be witnesses also, but we also have these examples before us. Yep, it's pretty great. Yeah, really awesome. So, I think that wraps up. That does, that wraps up chapter 15. Yep. So you get two days off or two days to catch up, depending on how you're doing. And uh, we'll catch you on Monday for chapter 16. All right, see ya. Bye.